figured it was time for another uh, Real Man Sports video podcast. So uh, I called up this character to do it with me. Um, Alan Sislowski, you know him. He's been on a lot of these. And you're a football guy, Alan, but I'm making you do baseball um, just for the hell of it. Uh, I just want to talk some shit, right? Because I think I'm done drafting and I feel good. I mean, I don't, it's like, I don't know, you know. Uh, Sasha saw me drafting and I was like, stop talking to me. Stop talking to me. I got to focus. And then she came back later. She said, did you win? I said, I don't know if I won. I'm not going to know till October. You know, uh, I was cursing during the main event because I was picking 14th and it was so long going back and forth to get my pick. And there were a lot of good players in the league and they were just sniping all my players. I mean, even in late rounds, like all these guys I wanted were going. And I was like, fucker. I like, I was trying not to curse. Like she's heard me curse before, but I was trying not to just be myself and be like, motherfucker fuck you you know like the guy who took him like two picks before me which is usually what i would be doing if i were by myself so well, she's seen me like just flip out at, um, at least you didn't pull the plug out like you did at uh rotowire years ago when uh when when there was a draft going on and one of your co-workers ended up with with six tight ends in a, in dude, a that event. was one of the greatest that was one of the greatest things i've ever done um <laughs> that that was like uh that was genius you know that was that was really good you know hold funny. on i gotta i i fucked up the uh hang on here we go all right. Yeah, no. I wasn't in my headphones, and I was like, what's going on? Okay, I just it, it was sounded better before, but... Now it's better. Okay. So, um, so, so, so normally, you know, I'm, fl- I'm flipping out. But she loves, like, the colors and the NFBC. And the NFBC does such a good job with, like, the, the, vis- the visuals. And so we're going to do, like, a, a fantasy basketball draft together. Because in, in the fall, I don't know any basketball, but I'll have her pick the team. I'll, I'll help her, obviously. Um, but she wants to do it. Uh, cause she, she wants to imitate me. She sees the stuff I do. Why basketball though? Isn't football like the easiest one to do? Cause there's, you know, minimal well, pickups. Yeah. And plus I know it. So I have to do all this research, uh, but she plays basketball, you know? Mm. So she likes basketball. She wants me to get, she told me we want to, uh, can you get the NBA package? I said, you know, it's season's almost over. I'm not going to buy it now, you know, but plus it's on too late for you anyway. But you know, there's some day games and, you know, maybe we can watch some, you know, recorded games, but um, you know, she's into it. So, so now she wants to do a fantasy basketball team. So I think we'll do one. The best event for her to have done would you should have got her a bracket for the NCAA tournament, either the men's and the women, the women's has been phenomenal as well. I mean, you know, if she, if she wants to watch both, that would have been the best thing for her to do. Cause it's easy. You just pick a winner. You don't have to pick players. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I could have done it. Uh, I just, she just likes the I, NBA though. You know, she, I have I, a, I have a solution for you. If you want to get in on this, we have to decide today. Oh, a sweet I 16. A, I have a sweet 16 pool. It's $25. And there's like, I think there's like 50 people in it. So if you want, we can, uh, you can, you don't have to decide right now, but if you want, we can go hands on that. I'm in, I'm in now just out of principle. Just pick whoever you want. I don't know shit. I don't know. I don't, I don't know I shit know either. It. What I'll do I don't even I'll, know who's in the tournament. I, no, I don't no. know. I let's let know Sasha pick it. Let's let her pick it. Fine. Send it to me. You want to do it? Yes, let's Dude, do it. Let's do it. But I got to tell her, like, you can't just pick, like, 10 seeds in the finals and stuff. You you guide her. So just send me the picks. You know, like, just print out a random Fine. Sweet 16. S- send me s- – I don't even – okay. So, oh, I see. Just get her to do the picks yes. and you'll input them. Okay, you fine. Know, or a better – you know what I'll do? I'll send you my login. It's for that same run your pool thing that we did on NFL. She loves computer. Like, she loves – like, I, I respect yes. her because I don't want her to become one of those fucking zombies you see on the street. <laughs> These kids, like, crossing the street almost running over, getting run over, like, with their head – you know, the headphones on and look at their phone. But, but she loves when she has the chance to do it. So, all right, send me your login in the info. Just send yes. it to me. She'll do it. But I'll tell her, like, look, like, you don't want all ones, but you want to mix it up a bit. But you guide her on. I'll strategy. explain it. I'll explain it. OK. Right. All right. But let's, let's pick it. our winner right now. Who do we think? Have you been watching? At I all? don't know who's in it, man. I don't uh, know okay. who's in it. I don't know who the one seeds are. I don't even know who they are. Alabama, Houston, Purdue has been not, two one seeds have been knocked out. One of them in the first round. Oh, really? That's very rare. That, yeah. Until a couple of years ago, that had never happened. Right. Now it happened. So it was uh, and the big the 16 seed that did it was a school in New Jersey. It was a uh, fairly Dickinson. Oh yeah, Fairly Dickinson. They used to call it Fairly Ridiculous when I was growing <laughs> up. <laughs> but by the way, so I, I know we, you know, our intention here was to talk baseball, and I do have a lot of questions for you about your draft because I, I'm laughing because when we started, we did our last football podcast. You said there is no way, there's absolutely no way I'm doing any baseball this year. I've decided, like you didn't even leave the door open, and now I look up. You have four NFBC teams. You have four people working for you. And you're going to have a whole discord on like, well, basically they don't really want to do it. Like some of them, <laughs> one of them said they want to do it. And then the other ones, there's a conflict because they're in leagues against me. So yeah. 
They can't really talk openly. Um, it was just an idea because I figured like I'd be getting DMs and it'd be like, let's make them public, but it may not actually work. But I wasn't a hundred percent out, but I was like, I don't, I knew I didn't want to deal with it. I knew that I didn't want to like at the barbecue have to be like, sorry, I've got to sit on my computer for two hours right now because it's time for the deadline. And I knew that I didn't want to like stay up on Monday night being like, fuck, I got that Rockies guy who's hurt. I got to see their lineup or, you know, I've got this other guy I want to play now, but I'm waiting for, you know, just the whole thing was not in keeping with my lifestyle. And so I found a solution, right? I floated it and people immediately were like, um, I'm in, I want to do it. And I got more uh, people interested than, than I, they used the, the four guys I picked were like good and exceptionally interested. Like they gave me a good pitch. Gotcha. They like the guys, either guys I knew. Um, and so I feel good about the guys I chose, but I had other options. Um, and it was, it was cool. Um, and you know, I'm giving away half the prize money. I mean, they're earning it, you know, well but, worth it. Well worth it. Well worth it. Uh, and they're earning it, you know, they're doing the work and, um, and I did something smart, which is I made them take it after I drafted the team. So they couldn't be like, Oh my God, you fucked me with this horrible team. And now I've got to manage this. Every one of them saw the team that they got and were okay with it. Not necessarily saying that they loved it, but good enough, you know? And so, um, yeah, you're, you're, I, feel, I feel good about it. You're, you're like the Godfather. You're like Al Pacino in Godfather three. You remember the famous line? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in, right? I mean, yeah. that's you with I, fantasy baseball. I don't, rem- I don't remember that movie that much, except in the beginning, some guys try to break into his house and kill him, and he, and he like overpowers them, and he's trying to get the, what, them to talk, right? Like say, hey, who sent you? Mm. And they don't want to talk. So he says, just be calm. I'm just going to show you I'm serious, and executes the guy next to him, and then says, okay, who sent you, right? And I just love that. It's like, that's Godfather okay. 2. That's Godfather 2. I thought that was 3. I 3, he's an older man, though. Oh, no, you I, might be I right. I thought that was the beginning of 3. He you ha- might be right. He has the two guys, and then he's like, okay, be cool. I'm just going to do this to show you I'm serious. And then he just kills that guy <laughs> next to him, and he's like, okay, now who sent you? It's like, I'm not fucking around, and I'll prove it right now. Right. I like that. Yeah, um, got best. Anyway. I, I love Godfather 3. I know that yeah. that's panned and not, you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not as good as 1 and 2, but it's still a good movie. Great movie. Anyway, so... um. Yeah. So, so I'm good. And I, I drafted these teams and I did the research and, you know, I listened to a couple podcasts afterward. Most I was listening to Jen's dad on one. Um, Jeff wasn't there, but you know, and he's talking about barrel rates and he's talking about all this shit. And I'm like, I didn't look into all that stuff, you know? And then I, I listened to uh, Rob DiPietro's podcast for a minute. He was just kind of going over um, spring training stuff. I'm like, man, this guy's in deep. Like he's, he's really knows the pool. You know, he's, He's talking about like fringy guys who could make the team and how they're doing in spring training. And it was very knowledgeable. Hmm. Um, but I just, you know, I'm an efficient person in my life. I, I do what I feel absolutely you have to do and not a little bit, not as a, you know, not a, a cent more or an, an hour more. So I got up to date with who's going where and my knowledge of players. And I felt like I executed my knowledge in the, drafts pretty well except the main event was very hard because of the way it went and because of where i was picking and just the quality of the people in the league and it was it was a tough league and i feel like i got a plausible team but it was that was like i was cursing a lot during that draft that's the one that dusty's gonna manage right i mean did so was that the one where you want did you like have a specific manager of your team for each one or did you throw it out there and say hey first come first serve like what was the vetting process for these four managers so the the main event right that's like the one that costs 1700 bucks and if you just even like win but don't win the whole thing you still get seven grand so that's the most valuable one right but it's also the most work because the 15 teamer so you got to go a lot deeper right and dusty um you know I, i knew him from for a while i don't know him well but i just knew him from the you know i've seen him in I think in Vegas uh, one year when he's drafting Paul Sporer and um, you know, I've just seen him around and I know he's a legit uh, NFBC guy. Um, and he just gave me a good pitch. He just DM me and said, look, this is what I've done. I've worked with these guys. You can ask them. I'm thorough, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's a good pitch, you know? And so I had him in the back of my mind, probably for the main, because he's done it a lot. He's, he's has experience with that particular format. I knew he'd be good. Um, I know he's done, you know, he's like, you know, the fab is like his thing. I think he works like a night job. So he's just got a lot of time where he's can look and be online and, and just, you know, set things up. 
Um, so in, he's he, in all he was, fairness there, by the way, night job, day job at my day job. When I used to work a corporate job, I used to pretend I was working. The only thing I would do was fantasy. That's why right. I ended up doing fantasy. So, right. you know, but well, I, I mean, that's I, a lot of people. No, so no, I'm sure everybody, you know, everybody who I've got is good. Um, but I just thought, okay, I know this guy's like a legit veteran main event, successful guy. And he was into it and he gave me a good pitch. And I thought, all right, I'll probably reserve that one for him. I mean, if he didn't want it or didn't like the team, I would have gone to somebody else, but I felt like that was a good choice. And then for the other ones, they were all guys I knew or who listened to the pod or who had been in the Beat Christmas Leagues. And I'd, I'd competed against them and I knew they knew what they were doing. And, uh, and they wanted to do it, you know? And, and so I just gave one of them, you know, there's three guys. I mean, everybody who I gave it to expressed a serious interest, not just sort of like, hey, that's cool, I'll do it. And there were some other guys too who probably would have done a fine job too. It was just like these four guys were like, I don't, we'll see, you know, I, mean, I hope none of them slack, you know, I mean, like, um, death is a good excuse for not, uh, for not setting your lineup, you know, if you, if you die and then you don't set your lineup, I won't be pissed at you. I, I got to say a story. I probably told this before, but, um, when I was, you know, running football at Rotowire, um, I used to manage beat writers like early on. That was like a big part of the job was to like, make sure the beat writers, these, each person covering a team would do his job. And I was kind of, you know, I would let people know if they were like slacking, you know, I was, I was very like, you know, th these days it's all HR. Like, you know, there's some problematic issues. I'd be ah. like, I'd be like, why the fuck didn't you send that in when you said you would, you know, and people right. would get mad or we get into arguments. So this one guy covered the Browns. I wish I remembered his name and he didn't get his Browns preview in on the day that we agreed on. And I was like, dude, what the hell? You're supposed to get this in. He said, I'm really sorry. Um, but this weekend was rough. We had to involuntarily commit my girlfriend's mom into an insane asylum. Ah. And I thought, Okay, I said good excuse, good excuse, right? right? That must have been hard, you know. That must have been on your mind that weekend. So I let him off the hook. Um, and oh, one yeah. guy, some other guy, you know, we got into like a, a email shouting match. The guy cursed me out, said da da da, and I. But I was satisfied after that that he was justifiably pissed that I was on him, and then he was like, you know, he and I got along great after that. Um, you know, I don't know if, if you're, you know, now someone will sue you for a microaggression if you if you right. do that, but. But when I, you know, when I was running, I, I, I learned, you know, like, like you have to send an email and say, if you want to do this team, you must repl reply to this email and say specifically that you understand that you're doing it. And by this date, and if you don't reply, I'll, I'll take it as a no. And that's fine. I'll just get someone else to do it. And they would all have to reply if they wanted to do it. And then if they didn't get it done, which was rare because they knew that they had replied saying they do it by the date, um, you know, then I'd have a real beef because if you, before, when I first did, I just send out the, the assignment. And then people be like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah, really? It was due then? Like, they'd all, you know, play stupid. Um, and I learned, like, you have to, like, get them to commit, like, you know, just verbally, you know, in writing. And then they would all do it. But, you know, yeah, I don't no. miss I don't miss running it. But it was it was uh, it was fun. Probably some people liked me as a manager. Probably some people uh, did not. Managing people, it to me, is is just one of the uh, it just seems like something that's horrible, right? Like even when I was working in, you know, corporate job and, you know, I was a, a trench person in the trenches salesperson for uh, selling TV and, and, and sports ads and stuff. They're always like, how come you never apply to these manager positions when they open? I said, I don't want to deal with other people. I just want to, like, go do my job. I always do it well. I do it on time. But having to deal with other people just seems that's a different skill set and you have to become the bad guy. And I don't think I play that role very well. Yeah. I, I, I didn't mind being the bad guy. Nah, um, you? I felt, I felt like I was fair. You know, I felt like if a guy cursed me out <clears throat> and told me why I was wrong and he had a good case, I'd be like, okay, sorry. Maybe I overreacted. I had no problem saying that. Um, <clears throat> most of the time I wasn't wrong. You know, most of the time these fuckers were just pretending, you know, whatever. And they were nice guys. They weren't fuckers. They were like, just, you know, whatever. It, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like some of them were though. Some of them were like full of shit. You know, I had right. a guy. I'm not going to name him, who was supposed to write an article for the magazine, and he turned in an article that was that was basically a carbon copy of another article he'd written for somebody else, mm. and it was shitty. It was like a shittier version. I was like, what the hell is this? He's like, yeah, I couldn't really refuse this other assignment. I'm like, dude, you you agreed a month and a half ago to do this. Like, you can't just be like at the you know. 11th hour sending in some shit and acting like, and I just fired him and got a yeah. new guy to do it. And that guy uh, stayed with us a long time. I think he's still at Rotoware, the new guy. Um, and it's just like, you know, that was just bad. It was, it was bad faith. You know, it was like, it was a guy who just thought like he, he probably, he was, he probably regretted accepting the assignment and, and wasn't mm -hmm. man enough to just say, you know what, 
sorry, let me try to help you find somebody. I screwed this up. I, I need to give this content to somebody else. I would have still been annoyed, but it wasn't like the way he did it was like the worst possible way. But most of the guys, you know, were nice guys. It was just like, you know, it is, it's like people's brains are cluttered with all sorts of shit. And like, if you don't like put that bookmark in there with the email thing, like they're just going to, it it's won't okay. be a priority for them. Yeah. Nowadays you have to be careful that people aren't writing their automated articles with chat GPT. I mean, you know, it's like, it's a funny that somebody <laughs> would have been better than some of the shit I got too. You right, know? A lot right. of shit was like more work to edit than it was to write it yourself. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that chat GPT, cause I've seen, you know, fantasy sports writers like, or just send documents around or ask me like, Hey, what do you think of this article? I said, well, this is sent by chat GPT. They're like, how'd you know? Because first of all, chat GPT doesn't use anything after 2021 right now. I mean, that's the limit on it. So the 2000, so if you say, write me something about fantasy football or, or fantasy baseball, it'll use like the 2021, 22 stats. That's how you could tell right away. And then you have to go in there and change it. So you just have to be careful because a lot of, I mean, I know college professors are dealing with that now too, but it's so obvious when something's written by AI yeah, but, at this point. But if the AI does as good a job as you, then maybe you shouldn't have this job. There right, like is. because it's like people are like, oh well, the essay the the guy in college wrote was just as good. As, it was an A, but it was written by ChatGPT. It's like if what you're teaching can easily be summarized by ChatGPT, then maybe what you're teaching is not very valuable, right? You just want like a robot to regurgitate the shit you taught. I learned that in college. I had a professor, this religion professor, and it's too boring to get into the details. But like, I realized like he just wanted me to like say the shit that he was working on was valid. He went to this like African tribe and wrote something about their religion and tried to relate it to some other shit. So I just wrote, you know, the, the thing that he wanted to write. I got an A and it was like the easiest paper I wrote. And I was always like stupid enough in college. I was naive enough to like try to say something smart, like actually say something insightful. And the professor was like B, B minus, you know? And then you realize, oh, if you just say the robot shit, the GPT version that they want you to say that you know they want you to say, um, you'll get an A. And, yeah. and like, I was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, this is all I was supposed to do the whole time. And it was too late, right? It was a senior at that point. I was like, oh shit, I wasted time like actually trying to say something intelligent to these fucking people. Um, but yeah, GPT, like people are like, oh, it's going to take your job. Aren't you worried? I'm like, if you're worried, it's going to take your job. You should be worried right. because you're the type of person that basically just regurgitates the fucking basics, you know? And you got to have some insight to, uh, to, to, you know, it's going to create new jobs too. And, you know, and, I mean, listen, you could probably at some point, AI will be able to draft your fantasy baseball team. It'll be able to manage your waiver wire for you. At some point you'll be able to say, Hey, here's oh, you soon. input your input, your league. What's the optimal, you know, spit out for fab. I, 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 I'd be interested for fantasy sports because chess obviously can destroy any human player, but chess is a very, you know, closed circuit. You know, it's, it's just a logic game, basically, and, and it's there's what a computer. There's very fixed rules, and it's not a complex system, right? So it's the something that for which a computer would be well designed to beat you. Um, you know, Sudoku. Good luck. You're not going to beat the AI in Sudoku. Um, but I've been solving some serious Sudokus. I've been getting deep into that shit. But you're not going to beat the AI. It's going to solve it literally instantly. Um, but uh, you don't even need AI. You can just run a, a regular Python program, probably solve that instantly. But but the point is that. Um, as you get into complex systems where the variables are infinite, um, I'd be very curious to see how well does picking stocks, uh, fantasy baseball, things like that. Uh, I'd be, I think it will be good at certain things like projected stats. Um, but you know, the, the stat nerds do a decent job with the projected stats. They're not really, I, I don't think the nerds are that you, they don't win a lot, you know, because there's too much complexity going on. They're good as like a, a bedrock for everybody else to use right. as sort of a baseline, I guess. Um, but, but I'll talk about that. Too. I'll tell you something. So this one guy um, who is in the NFBC, I think he's the best player. He's certainly one of them. One of the who best ever. Phil Dusso. Yeah. And he won a couple of years ago. He won like everything. And it was such a sick year. It was like, it's like not even statistically Never. possible. I don't really even understand how it happened. He, he won like the, the overall and then was third in the overall and had like I, a, a one, like the, you know, two other things, an auction champ. It was like everything he did, he won every single league he was in. It was unbelievable. Now, obviously, he had a lot of overlap with players and stuff. So certain players he obviously hit on. And, but it, it, even with that, it's like, oh, because you draft in different slots. So you're going to get some di different players, especially at the top. Um, so it's unbelievable. So anyway, he's one of the best, if not the best in the world. And last year, uh, when he was done drafting, like in March, April, um, he, he tweeted out a list of the guys that he was high on versus some other guys that were much higher ADP guys. So he's like, I like him over him. I like him over him. 
And it was like all bold calls, like uh, per ADP. And I remember he liked Dylan Cease over somebody, like over Giolito. And he liked um, who was and Dylan Cease had a monster year. And he liked uh, Tommy Edmond over Starley Marte. And Tommy Edmond was better. And he liked a couple other guys. And I was like, you know, whatever Phil's looking at, I don't give a shit about this barrels and exit. I mean, it's all good. But to me, like the regular it's, stats. It's fun content, that stuff. It, it also has some predictive value, but, it, but it's not that much above and beyond the regular stats that I look at. Like it, it gives you a teeny extra, but to me, it's like, if you look at like, you know, extra base hits and, and home runs and, and slugging percentage and stuff, it's, it's pretty much like the same thing. There's a little bit, you know, so maybe in a small sample, it could give you a, a, an edge. But point is, I was like, I'm going to go back. I, I found the tweet from last year and I was like, I'm going to find out what all those guys that he liked did in 2021 mm. that make him like these guys that were lower ADP so much. And then whatever that metric is, I'm going to start to look into it a bit for myself. I was going to steal his, 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 uh, his system in a way. But then I went back and looked at it. I just remembered the hits. He had like five or six bad misses there. <laughs> he, was not, he didn't like Sandy Alcantara as much as like some other guy. Like Sandy Alcantara, one of the Cy Young, was one of the top three most valuable pitchers in baseball. So I realized, oh, he did well still. But it wasn't like if I put out a list, it would have had like the same hit and misses basically. Mm-hmm. And so then I never did that. I never looked into anything extra. But I, but my, I was like, there's maybe something I'm missing. I'm going to add this new wrinkle. And then I looked into it and I was like, I'm not taking it again. He still may be the best player in the world, but it wasn't that. It wasn't like there's some secret metric. It wasn't about that. Yeah. I remember also one time you'd said, I think it was Lindy. Maybe you said like someone had asked him like how he won, you know, multiple uh, high stakes contests. And you had said this on the radio show on Sirius XM. You just said, everyone's going to make mistakes. You just have to make more hits than mistakes. And, you know, if you do this consistently and follow your process, you are eventually going to hit big. I mean, the, the thing that you're talking about with, uh, with Phil, I mean, that, that was just unbelievable where he won the multiple contests and, you know, he, he thread the needle specifically right in all those contests. That's almost like nearly impossible. It's almost statistically impossible. That, that's it, why, happened. That's, it happened, which is why I think he's the best player. But, but I, but, you know, Lindy also said, he didn't do very well his first few years in the NFBC. He started doing well when he stopped reading other people's stuff and just doing his own thing. And so this year I kind of did that. I mean, I, I did my master cheat sheet, which is still up on uh, real man sports, which was basically a hybrid of the ATC, the arrow Cohen projections and the NFBC ADP. It's from, you know, two weeks ago now. So something's, you know, obviously Altuve's heard and a couple guys have moved around, but it's mostly the same. Uh, and I looked at that, you know, for a bit, but I didn't use it in the main event. Um, I just, I realized like, I just don't give a shit that the, the projections guys know what's sort of on average going to happen most likely. But, and if you wanted to have a projections contest and, the, and it was like, who's going to deviate from the norm more, they would win. Um, but that's not really what fantasy baseball is about. What fantasy baseball is about and football is you have five or 10 guys that you really like, really, really like maybe 15 and you have five or 10 or 15 guys you really, really don't like it at their cost. And, um, navigating the draft and getting as many of those guys as you can and avoiding the guys that you don't want. And then in the end, if, if I've, out of your 15 guys, you really like, you know, uh, six are normal, but like four are really, really good. And you have a lot of them. Um, that's, you might win your leagues. And then if on the bad side, like out of the 15 guys, you don't like six really, really underperform and you don't have any of them. Um, that really helps. I think that's what it comes down to. Mostly. It's not like sort of, the average projections that everybody kind of knows. Yeah. And it's not, I think, and I'm curious your opinion here. Is it more about hitting on the guys you like, or is it avoiding the landmines? So for example, well, but I'm saying if you have to, it really comes down to like a draft strategy. So for example, like in just get getting a guy who underperforms in round one of baseball is fine. As long as there's a high floor versus getting the guy that completely gets injured and is out for the, you know what I'm saying? So, and I know that's random luck injury or maybe not, but I'm just curious about some of the guys that you faded that you wrote in your real man sports article, like Corbin Burns, uh, uh, Vlad. Uh, no, you, uh, yeah. You also wrote that you, uh, Josh Hader, uh, why are, why did you actively avoid these guys if they were still going in at a, you know, an affordable ADP? I just really offended by haters tweets when he was 15 ah. years old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very so, woke. Very woke. Yeah, yes. You know, real man, real man woke. Uh, yeah. so, um, no, uh, so hater fell apart last year. His ERA was like five and he had a real problem. And like, 
to me, like that guy was untouchable for a few years and like uh, something was wrong. And that to me is just like, no, I'm not taking him as a second closer off the board. So that to me was just like cross off right away. Burns was Cy Young winner in 2021. Same thing for the first half of 22 and then fell off in the second half. Um, and I just felt like, you know, this to me is like Portens problems. Like I, I was like, he's the first pitcher off the board in my league at 13. No chance, no way. And then, uh, and then, you know, Vlad, the problem with Vlad is Vlad, you know, he's an amazing prospect. I was always in on him before he broke out. And then he has this absolutely monster year, um, a couple of years ago, but the blue Jays played in like Buffalo and they played in Florida and these were like little league parks. So everybody went crazy. And I felt like that, you know, he had a fine year last year. He was fine, but he wasn't like anything special. And so I was sort of just like, you know, he does, he ran, he stole a few bases last year, but that could go to zero easily or five or whatever. So I'm like, I just don't want to pay up for a guy whose big year was in a, you know, sort of like a, a wiffle ball. You know, it was like, it was just like a little league park. So I was out on him in the first round. I mean, sure. In the second, I'd take him. He has a high floor, but he was, he went in the first. And then the other question that we get over on the RotoWire YouTube page a lot is, and I'm curious if this in any of the four high stakes drafts that you did was, did the rule changes um, make you either avoid or go after certain guys that you may not have because of the rule changes, or did that not even play into? Did you not even calculate that when you were drafting? I, I drafted Schwarber in one of the beat Chrysalis leagues uh, because the shift. You know, he may have a you know, his batting average may improve because of that. I mean, I, it was sort of on my mind the the pitching, like speeding up the pitching and the steals. It didn't really affect me. I mean, I don't really know who which pitchers are going to have trouble and which ones won't, or which players are going to run more. I do think if there's more steals in the game, you need steals more. People look at the other way like, oh, I can get him anywhere. But no, now the bar is higher. Now you need more on your team to compete. A lot of people always go the wrong way. They're like, oh, home runs are down. I don't need to get, you know, I, I, I can, uh, no, sorry, home runs are up. I can just wait on home runs because I can get home runs anywhere. But it's like, yeah, but to get 80th percentile on home runs, you're going to need, you know, 350 instead of 300 or whatever. Then I'm just making up those numbers, but it's, you need more just to compete. So um, I think, you know, it's people have a misunderstanding about dealing with like scarce totality of stat and what that means for your draft. Right. Like the whole bar comes up. It's not just that one guy's home runs are up. Everyone's home runs are up. So the guy with single digits is now hitting 15 of them or whatever, you know? Yeah. You're like, oh, I don't need power. Power is plentiful. Yeah. Well, so everybody got power in the first five rounds, but you, because it's so plentiful, you're just going to, what are you going to get? Like guys who hit 200, Joey Gallo in round, you know, 25 and, and hope that he hits home runs. It, it's, it's hard if you get behind. So your four drafts, the dates that you did them were March 4th, March 11th. March 18th and March 19th. Now, ADP shifts a little bit, but not too much in that three-week span. So, uh, you know, knowing now only what you know right now, rank these teams that you like the most to the least, one through four. I'm curious, and then we'll pair that up with how they do by midseason. I really don't know. You know, like my children, you know. I tell ah, you, yeah, it's Sophie's like so, choice so right here. Choice here. Yeah. yeah. Take, take them all. Take them both. Well, okay. Is there one that you like more than the rest? Is I think that's a... a Probably I don't, better. I don't, you know, I don't even know if they're any good. I, I literally just got the guys that I wanted to get when I was drafting. And, you know, a lot of baseball when you're drafting is there's two lucky things where you're picking. So what's available and also what everybody does in between. And the thing was, I only picked first ninth, 12th and 14th. So the ninth was the closest to the middle that I ever was. So, in, and that wasn't even in the middle. So all of my drafts, pretty much, I was waiting a long time in between. I would get two quick picks and I'd wait a long time. And in the 15, it was brutal because I decided to go Mookie Betts at 14 and Tatis at 17. And I'll talk about Tatis, talk about a guy who could wreck your whole season. Um, and I was like, all right, I thought about Spencer Strider. Guy took Verlander at the turn, which was bold. I thought about Strider. I could have even taken Garrett Cole, um, who's probably my top pitcher. But, but I don't think any of the pitchers, you know, Garrett Cole's got like a 350 ERA with the Yankees. You know, the whip is good. The strikeouts are good. Um, but he's not the guy who's getting you a 220 ERA and a one, you know, a 0.8 whip. I mean, this is, it's, it's much more close to the pack now. So it's not like when you get that stud ace and he's like separates himself, but anyway, so I'm like, okay, that's fine. And I'm like, since I did go two hitters, if someone had taken Tatis at the turn, I would have taken Strider or Cole. Um, and I was like, okay, it's fine. I got my hitters two that I wanted. I was actually happy with that. And then I'm like, all right, so I'll get Zach Wheeler, whose ADP was 50, and I'm picking 44, right? 44 is my next pick. And Wheeler goes at 32. 
Okay, all the pitching starts coming off in the second round. I'm like, okay, well, shit. I got to get a pitcher. I'll get Julio Urias at 60. He's 60. I'm picking 43. Urias goes at 42. I'm picking yeah. 44, sorry. He goes at 42. I'm like, fuck. I got to get Gaussman or, or Bieber, and I don't like those guys. So I'm right. not going to take them just because I have to get a pitcher. So I take two more hitters. And then all these other pitchers start going. Uh, and then it's round five and I'm like, okay, I'm taking Kenley Jansen. Cause I need a closer and he's my top closer by far that's left. And then it's, and then round six, you know, I'm like, I don't like any of these pitchers at value either. So I'm taking Wander Franco who I love. So then it goes all the way down, all the way up. And I'm like taking Lance Lynn and I wanted Chris sale. He's gone. Lance Lynn and Severino are my aces. So now I've got, you know, Dusty's going to have to work on the pitching. The hitting is stacked, but you know, the pitching is thin and, but I got closers, I got hitting and I got a lot of volume and some guys I like, but you know, I, I couldn't get every time I'm waiting all the way up, all the way down. I'm like, okay, this pitcher, I see his ADP. It's about that. Hopefully I'll get him. Never once got him. Like it was just like yeah. picking them off and I'd have to pivot to a different pitcher. So it was a tough drive. I was cursing a lot, but Hey, that's, that's the main event with the top players. You know I mean? That's, that's what you, and, and you could have said, I should have taken Cole at the turn in anticipation of the possibility of that. But Wheeler, again, was 50, and Urias was 60, and I was picking 44. I was like, I'll get one of them, and I didn't get either. So, you know, you, and then you don't want to be a nutless monkey and just take a pitcher you don't like who's already, you know, ahead of ADP just because he's there. And so then you're like, all right, I'm leaning into this, and it's just going to be this kind of draft. And um, yeah. But I, I still like the team, but it, it's going to be one where, you know, Dusty's going to have to do some moves on the pitching side. There's in every draft, especially when you're getting in with with players that are not scared, uh, like fantasy players that are not scared to reach for players. There's always going to be a point where you have to decide to forego value for positional need. I know that you know it's always take the best player available, but especially when there's no trading, right? Where you can't say, "Hey, I'll give you," nope. you know, in football, for example, my best wide receiver for your best running back. But and that happens in football with tight end. It's never a good time to take a tight end. Uh, and it seems like that that happened to you with with pitcher. Sometimes you have to be the reach guy, and I know it feels bad because that, but you're always then chasing. But you did the right thing though. If you're gonna pass on, uh, if you're gonna take value over positional need, you just keep doing it until the value regulates. But it never did. It never right. came back. Like I was always thinking, okay, I'll just clean up in these middle rounds and just deal with it. But I was scrambling in the middle rounds, and I had to capitulate. Not really. I mean, I still got guys around their ADP, but I had to capitulate a little bit and take Andrew Heaney before I wanted him. I didn't want Andrew fucking Heaney. He was just the last guy even, like, with, with any upside. You know, it was like – I mean, there's guys later on I got with upside too. But the point is just that um, when you get in a situation like that, you know, it's like where do I overpay to get this positional need? Where am I going to do it? And it's obviously a lot cheaper to do it in the middle rounds than it is to do it in the, in the – uh, higher rounds, but then you don't even know if you're getting what you paid for. You're over, you know, you're getting some guy who, who knows if he's going to pan out. Um, you know, it, it was just, it was just how it went. And, um, I, I guess maybe three, four turn, I could have taken, you know, Darvish who goes in round five. Usually, um, I could have taken Darvish there who I like, um, had I known that, you know, and I kind of did know, right. I mean, once it starts, you know, it's going to be that way. So at that right. point I kind of knew, but it's kind of like, why do I want to be getting less value for my money already in the draft? Like I'm already going to be the weaker oh. team. If I, if I made a, a, you know, a miscalculation after there's only one pitcher gone around one, there was no, nothing unusual. If at that turn um, I made a miscalculation. Um, okay. You could say you should, you should have taken a pitcher just in case. Cause you're on the end. You don't know how it's going to go. And that's true. But I was looking at the ADP from the last five drafts the night before. And I didn't know how it was going to go. And it was sort of like, once you're in that, to just have a shitty team just to get that pitcher to me is like, right. it's kind of like, why don't I get a badass team with lots of value on the hitting side and then get upside pitchers and get volume at pitchers and say to Dusty, whoever's running it, here's our task. Get okay. me the Spencer Strider, manage these guys well. And he was like, I'm up for this. He's like, this is my kind of team. You know, I can do this, you know? So um, I got the right guy to, to handle it. Well, you may have already identified it, but I was going to ask you in these these high stakes leagues where there's you know there's basically professional players or people that are experienced players. What's what do you think the biggest mistake that even the pros make? I mean, the pros are all very different, right? Like they're all there's some guys who are like buy the book nerds, like projections only, right? And then there's guys who um, will take a guy way ahead of ADP and and because he likes him and he's not coming back. Um, you know, they trust their own instincts about it and there's hybrid guys and whatever else. So it, there's all different guys. I don't think they make some sort of 
chronic mistake. I, I just think like, you know, we're all relying on our own insight in the player pool. We look at the ADPs, you do this for football and you say, which guy's mispriced? Like which guy is just like, this ADP is not, this is stupid. And why is the market? Sometimes the market's set because the, the projections get made in the fall and then the drafts go around them and that creates ADP. And there's this group think between the projections and the ADP. And they think this guy's a third rounder, this guy's an eighth rounder. And that's just it. And he may move a little bit based on news, but sometimes the guy's just there because that's where he is. And people just kind of accept it as like a fact. And like one guy, like I got in two leagues and I, this guy, in, I don't want to say his name because he's probably drafting and they don't like to be doxxed while they're still drafting. But this one guy who's a very good player, it's not Phil, he wasn't in my league, yeah. um, but he's, he's won it before he's come close uh, and I know he's good. He just kept taking my players. And one guy he got uh, for me was Anthony Rendon. And I was always, used to call him Rendon't because he's always <laughs> hurt. But this year it's like, he's getting going in like the, at least in the 12s, he was going to like the 20th round or whatever. And I'm like, He's completely healthy now. He's got a $230 million contract. They're going to give him every at-bat they possibly can. He's going to hit, you know, around Trout and Otani. Like, I get, I get that he can get hurt, but like, this okay. guy, you know, I mean, this is just a mispriced player. And, and so the, I, I feel like everybody has that sense, you know, and, and if you're right about them, that's how you do well. Right. And then, so since you love drafting and you don't love managing, I mean, I was, I, I always forget to ask you this question. Why don't you do more best ball, whether it's on NFBC or- best ball sucks. Best ball's shit. Okay, and I'll tell you why. Uh, best ball is a different game, right? Like, it, yes. if it's if best ball is like, hey, I won. My player stayed healthy at every position. Like, great. I got one or two breakouts, but I didn't draft the greatest players. That was on this guy's team, but he's playing with no catchers for the last half a year, so he lost. Even though he had three best picks in the draft, he lost. Oh, I won because my guys happened to stay healthy. It's a shit. It's a shit game. You're just drafting for like, oh, how can I like hedge myself against absolute loss? That you know, in, in a in a drafter, there's moves. You go for winning. You try to win the league. You don't try to not lose it. And I, I have zero interest in that format. It's just a different game. Well, best ball is not a perfect game. I I realize that also because a lot of the players, like for example, are they get thrust into your lineup when they do well. Guys that you would never start. I mean, they're better in best ball because if they have three hits or two, you know, in a game, they'll be thrust into your lineup. And likewise, if a star duds out, he'll, you know, see, there's not that strategic part of it, but it is the best, you know, if you do love drafting and you accept that those flaws in the game, I think you would love it, especially, I think you'd be good at being a volume because you've already figured out what the hack is. It's not to, you know, necessarily draft for upside, but to draft for a little bit more floor floor and protect yourself against uh, catastrophic injury. And, and that's, but that's that, but the problem with that is, and the reason I got into fantasy baseball, right? The reason I got in this 1990s was I was the kind of guy who's like, who's going to win the MVP? Who's the guy we don't know who's going to bust out? Who's going to be on next year's cover, right? Like I, I was dropping, you know, last year, Shu and I had a main event team. I'm pissed, right? We, we didn't, we finished fourth or fifth or something like that. And our pitching wasn't very good. And I drafted him, ran, he did a decent job running. It was, but we had, uh, my first pick was Mookie Betts. He's a first rounder. My second pick was Ronald Acuna. He's the number one overall pick. My third pick was Bobby Witt. He's a first rounder. My 10th pick was Julio Rodriguez. He's fifth overall. I had four fucking first rounders last year. I got everybody who was in the first round and I didn't get enough pitching to win it for us. And I kept Craig Kimbrell who destroyed us as a closer. But like, that's how I like to draft. I want to just get the guy who's going to be on next year's football magazine. I want to get the guy that, um, that, you know, that we're arguing about who's going to be the MVP, the rookie of the year. I don't want to say, I don't want to figure out the hack. I mean, I used to be. It's not a hack. Okay. It's just a different strategy. That's all. And, and you love drafting so much. I'm telling you. It, but it, I love drafting because I uh, want to get the guys I think are going to bust out. Not that I would not like drafting. I was like, oh, he should get a hundred and he should, you know, he should get 201 carries and he's only being uh, drafted for 186 carries. To me, that's not the fun part. The fun part is who's good. No, baseball, you know? best ball is a lot. I, again, you know, I don't play a lot of uh, fantasy baseball. I love listening to people talk about it for some reason, but I don't, I, you know, I'm just not a great player. Uh, you know, like in football, I really, you know, dive into it. I, I, I give you guys credit, man, doing multi-sport, but baseball, best ball on NFBC, on uh, underdog, like so, um, underdog even took out like the catchers, right? You don't even need to draft catchers. It's just, you know, infield outfields, you know, so they, they have taken some of those, but all right, listen, I'm not going to persuade you today. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've thought about it, but it just, you know, I used to draft best ball and football or baseball and forget that I even had the team. And then well, that's what's great like, about it. Oh, no, but it would be like, 
literally forget. Like I wasn't even rooting for ah. those guys all year. You know, like, I'd be like, oh shit, I won that league. Or, oh, all my guys are hurt. Or I should have won the league. I had the four best players, but I have no tight ends for six weeks. You know, so right. I couldn't win. It just, you know, it's not, it's not a good game. The good game is I, I'm, I'd be okay with AI running the team, you know, right. eventually, you know, but I, I'm glad to have these people and, and they're, they're all cool. And like, I think it's a good, uh, a good model. And I actually, the NFPC should look into that. Like, you know, there used to be this guy um, who we had lunch with a bunch, this guy, uh, David Einhorn, who was a, he's a billionaire. He's an investor. And he was in the NFPC and he, I guess he reached out to a bunch of us industry people. And he was like, do you want to have a lunch at the steakhouse and talk fantasy baseball ahead of the NFPC? You know, it'd be like ahead of our drafts. So we did that for a couple of years. I don't know if they're still doing it. Um, and his teams would always do pretty badly as far as I knew. And I would imagine like, you know, 1700 bucks to him wasn't very much. And you know, if he got busy with some other shit, he just probably neglect them. And I was like, someone like him should definitely, cause he obviously loved baseball enough to do it. Um, should be drafting and then handing off, um, the team to somebody who's really going to run it properly. And, and I think this should be, you don't have to be a billionaire, you know? Um, I, I think it should be a thing where people, um, who, are fairly comfortable. They, they, they don't need the money as much, but you know, the time is an issue and they, they don't want to do a half-assed job, but you can't win the NFPC, the level of no. player there is and not be a hundred percent all in. I mean, I think Greg, you know, they, they should have like, I, I, it might be tricky because if the guy you get like does a shit job, the NFPC can't be liable well, for that. Well, that's what I'm saying. You go in eyes wide open, understanding that it could, you know, you go in understanding that it could not work out at all. You could have well, the, the guy could with... slack. I mean, the point is it's well, not, you would, it's, it's you would have not... like a Yelp rating, you know, just like you'd have a five, this right. guy is five yeah. stars, this guy is yeah. four stars. And just like everything else in here, we go by reviews. And right. Then and it's like, based right. on the reviews, you have to give a certain percentage. Right. Or, or like, you know, you set up a service where like, you know, the service takes 1% of the, of the fee and, and pairs these people or something, you know, and I don't know, it might be too nit niche no. for a real, but, no, but I just great. think like, like baseball, the problem fan and, and Greg should do this because, because the problem with fantasy, the best fantasy baseball is the best fantasy sport. It's better than football. Basketball is pretty good too, but I think baseball is the best. But it's also um, the because, hardest. Well, it's, it's the hardest, but the really pain in the ass part is the managing is hard. Well, that's in, what I'm time consuming. Yeah, I mean, it's also the hardest to like, but you just need a few weeks to study and get up to speed with, with the. I with spent the, the management. The yeah, management, management is how yeah. far it's hell. It's hell. Yeah. It's fucking horrible. It's it's. I don't even want to do it, and I love baseball. So, but if somebody who's doing it anyway, who's into it, wants to do it, there's got to be a miss. There's got to be a match, and then you can take baseball, which is the best fantasy sport. Instead of having five million people play, you have it as football size because you got all these guys willing to to run the teams and. Um, I don't know. It just, it just should be a lot bigger than it is. Life is about, there's two things you can throw at any problem. There's time or there's money. So you have to dedicate one of those two resources to every problem. And I think that this, this problem that you're presenting is a real thing. I mean, right. you know, I'm sure that even the baseball, the guys, the most casual office league players or the pros, they would say, Hey, I would do 10 more leagues if I didn't have to manage them. And I trusted the person to manage them. Right. They can't just be like, Oh, just random person X. But if there was someone, a pool of vetted players that were going to run some of their teams, now sure. They wouldn't give them a $1,700 team, but they might give them a hundred dollar league and just do volume manage leagues. I, I agree. I, I mean, I, I think it is, it is. I was going to tell Greg, like, you know, I was the one, I'm, I'm the one doing this. I'm not the first one to do it, but I'm the one doing it like, you know, vocally. I think there's going to be a lot of people who, who could use the service and, and it could be a, a line of business and it should be, you know, and it's good for everybody. I mean, if I were 25 and I had time, you know, and, and as, as into this as I was, I would, I would jump at the, at the job, the job that I, for myself, I would, I want to hire myself at 25 to do this job. Because it's, you know, it's fun. It's, it's like, yep. wow, getting paid. Well, now, mine's on a contingency basis, you know. Right. You can, you know, negotiate a, a smaller payout and some money up front or whatever. But Well, if they prove themselves, if these five guys show, or these four, these four players, managers, show that they um, can do something that's above, above your expectations, then they're in a better position to ask for an upfront fee from someone well, else. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think like I'm assuming they are good and no, I'm saying 50%, someone else. Yeah, but they're not going to get, I don't think they get more than fit because like you're, you're, the whole reason you're doing the league is to get the prize. And so like, you know, you have to have some equity, you know, decent amount of equity in it. And if you're paying for that and that, um, you're sort of like, well, you know, I guess, I guess the best guys could though because, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I hope they do a great job and they're going to make mistakes. That's the thing. They're going to fuck up because like everybody does, it's hard yeah. to do fab in baseball. Well, they could say, Hey, if, uh, the price of me doing 
this is obviously 50% plus, or you could say like 38, uh, 40% plus you have to buy me an entry into this contest. So they have some upside right. as well. I mean, yeah. I mean, they can try. I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> I think there's a point where people will be like, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, so some people, when I did the poll of how much should I pay the guy, they were like 20% at most. Or 50, well, there you go. You know, but, but, those, but those are just people just clicking a button. They're not actually realizing the pain in the ass. And if this is a real pain point, people will pay for it. No, I, I think it's worth it to pay 50%. I think, it, I yeah. think it's a good deal, but it's a fair deal. Yeah. And I expect a lot for it. You know, and, I, and you know, these guys, some of them, I think they just wanted to, to do it for fun. I mean, just right. like, it's not like they really need it. But, um, but, I, but I think that, uh, that you know, that's a, I think that's a fair split. And, and, yeah. and I don't totally. think, uh, you know, I don't think, maybe if like you, you end up being the best fab guy in the world, um, but then like, you know, that also is bad though, because like, let's say I, I'm like some guy and I get in the main event and I hire the best fab guy in the world and we win people are like, Oh, cause he hired the best fab guy in the world. He Who didn't cares? Shit. Well, no, I mean, it's a little bit like, you know, um, did he really, was it really him winning or was it the, was the guy oh, so doing you the, fab gl- the glory? I just want the, the cash. I mean, yeah. Well, no, but also the cash, like you're already, okay. So there's a rake in all these contests, right? Like 20% off the top. And then you're splitting a half, your winnings, right? So that's a huge rate. And then you're paying someone up front. Like you're never going to be able to do all three of those things and yeah. win cash. It would only be for the glory that you were paying up. But then I'm saying if the guy was so good that he's worth paying up for, for the glory, then you don't even get the glory because you had, you yeah. had an ace running your team for you. Yeah. Don't be so pop. Hey, Paul, uh, stop right here for one second. I have to yeah. pee so bad. And then I have, I have a couple more questions for you though. No Just problem. Cut we'll it leave, right leave here for one second. No, no, we're not cutting it. We're leaving. Ah, hang on one second here. Yeah. Dude's always got to pee. That guy should get checked. He should go to the doctor. He's always peeing in the middle of these uh, episodes. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. Remind me. You can't remind me, but I, I want to remind myself to actually talk some players. Sometimes I listen to these podcasts, these baseball cons, these fucking guys are yakking it up like, ha, ha, ha. It's so funny. This, that, these ideas about baseball. And I'm like, just fucking tell me about some of these players that I'm supposed to draft. Not that I would have listened, but I just, I'm just always curious to hear people's cases for players so, um, that are interesting. So the, uh, and, uh, oh, so, okay. okay. Yeah, so, so, I was, so I just reminding myself and reminding the viewers who are non-existent to remind me to ask me about specific players because I, I, I was saying I, I listen to these podcasts and I'm always like, just fucking get to the point where you tell me like who's good, you know, like, like who you're drafting and who you're not. Like even though I don't necessarily listen to them, agree with them, I sometimes like to see how their arguments resonate with me. Mm. And if I'm like, this is bullshit, this guy's wrong then I won't draft him. But it, sometimes I'll be like, oh, this guy is making a lot of sense. I got to look into this. Well, um, that's what so. my last couple of questions were for okay. you is if you were, because you know, not everyone here play, that listens to you, I would say most people don't play in the NFBC. I mean, a lot of them do, but a good amount just play in their home leagues, right? Or even if they could be two, $300 leagues, who are the three players? And I, and, you know, I hate to use like these search engine optimization terms, but who really are the three must draft players? Like who are the three or four or five best guys that you think that people should really keep an eye on and maybe move up a little bit to go get. And then I also want to hear about the three to five guys that you, well, you've outlined them in your real man would uh, Substack, but uh, that you're just totally avoiding and that you, every time someone drafts them, you're like, Oh, thank God it was them and not me. Yeah. So, okay. I got a bunch of guys and I also, I'm writing an article today. I'll probably put it up of the FOMO guys that I wanted to get, but didn't get right. But a lot of the guys I did get, cause obviously I tried to get them, but there's just sometimes that, you know, the, the way it falls or you thought ADP would let you have somebody and he got snaked, but uh, I'm looking at this. So the guy I was most happy with in my first draft and I got him in every draft, except the third one was Wander Franco. Okay, here's the thing about Wander Franco. Where does, like, where does he go? Where, where does he get drafted normally? Uh, like 80th overall, 75, 80, somewhere in that range. And the thing about Wander Franco is people are like, oh, he had like eight homers and six steals last year, and he was hurt. He had like 240 at-bats. I'm like, all right, but in the eighth round, I mean, the, sorry, not eighth round, like sixth round, wherever he goes, or I think I got him the seven, eight turn in, in one league. Um, you double that in a full season, you know, he's what, 12 and 16? Like already he's like earning his value. And then uh, realize this guy is six months younger than Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll is the number one prospect in baseball. He's going in the fourth, fifth round. I got him in the fourth in the main. Um, and he's the number one prospect in baseball power speed guy. Wander Franco, who's been in the league a couple of years, is six months younger than Corbin Carroll. Okay, he's younger than Corbin Carroll. He's one of the best prospects in the last decade. Wander Franco at age 17 in rookie ball hit 351. Okay, at age 17. At age 18 in high A, which is pretty hard, he hit 339 in 200 at bats at high age. This guy is a crazy good prospect. 
And so people are like, oh, he's, you know, he's a better, uh, a guy asked on Twitter, he said, you know, why are people saying he's a better player in real life? Cause he walks and stuff, plays defense than in fantasy. We don't even know what he could do. We have no idea. This guy's a baby still. And he's destroyed age to level in, in a way that's incredibly rare. So, um, you know, we'll see, you know, obviously he can get hurt or maybe he is just going to be a high walker and just earn value. But at that level, I just don't think you can lose if he's healthy. I don't think you can lose. And I think he could be a, I think he could be the number one pick next year. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I think who knows what his upside is. So what's the, how far ahead do you tell people to reach if, if you're in a room of, of pretty sharp drafters? I mean, I, I don't say reach far ahead because, um, first of all, cause that's my guy. It might not be your guy. Right. But if you have a guy that's your guy, um, reach a little bit ahead. You know, if, if there's a good That'd chance be- he'll be there next round, you know, you might want to gamble if there's someone you really want in that round and hope to get both and get greedy. Sometimes you get burnt by that. You got to feel it out. But, um, I, I do think, um, and I've done the, the opposite and I've gotten burned, respect the market a little bit, right? Like don't go like killing yourself to reach for every single pick, you know, just be like, I want this guy when he's in range of ADP, like anywhere in range and he's, and he might not be there on the way back, then go get him, but don't start, you know, um, killing yourself to get this guy. All right. All right. So then who are one or two of the guys that every time they get drafted, you're just, you're thank, let them have them. I mean, you know, we spoke about a couple of them earlier, but I'm talking about in the earlier rounds. Cause that's yeah. what really, okay. you know, there that's how you could tank your draft in the first two, three rounds. Yeah. And I, you know, again, these guys may not may be fine or even good just cause I don't like them. Doesn't mean, you know, they're going to be bad, but just the guys, I don't like burns cause of the second half and you know, pitchers, you know, they're, they don't, they have a limited shelf life unless they're Hall of Famers like Scherzer and Verlander. I mean, they have two good years and they're not the same. So Burns, Guerrero, I said he was in that little park when he did his damage. Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, Paul Goldschmidt had a great year last year, but I mean, that guy was going in like the eighth round last year. Like he's old. I mean, it was a resurgent year, but like don't start drafting this guy in the second, early third um, when last year you wouldn't have even considered that just off of one year. Right. Um, and then, uh, and he's, you know, he's older. Um, Josh Hader, I mentioned, uh, Nolan Arenado, same thing. Arenado was not going this high and now he's been bumped up cause he had a good year. Um, these are fine floor players, but, um, you're now you're paying for like, not just floor anymore. You know, you're paying for a little bit, not, I wouldn't say ceiling. I mean, Goldschmidt should have been a first rounder based on his numbers, but, um, but you're paying for a lot more. Uh, another guy, Kevin Gossman, he was just very hittable. You know, his, his whip, his, uh, ear is, uh, strikeout to walk ratio was good, but he got hit hard. And a lot of times people think that's, um, that's bad luck, but I don't love that. I think like, you know, maybe he's just, the stuff isn't moving as much. Um, Luis Castillo. I, I don't like the control issues with him. Shane Bieber just seems a little diminished. Not the, uh, not quite the ACE that he was. And I think the velos down a bit, Luis Robert or Robert. Now I think he wants to be called, um, just always hurt. He's like a Buxton type always hurt tons of upside. Obviously he's a, a, a a real talent, but he's been hurt so much already. Dylan Cease really fell off last year, walks too many guys. So those are just the early guys that I was just not looking to draft. Like that were just, you know. The the other question that I've heard you talk about a lot on your podcast, and I've heard you talk about on Sirius XM when you do your spots is you always talk about like, what kind of a ball are you getting? Is does that even factor in anymore? Or Oh, it's super important, but I just can't do, I just, I'm, you know, it's not what I want to speculate on. I'm not interested in it. And if somebody told me, I would obviously factor it in, but I don't know, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. And I, I feel like it takes away from the game. You know, it's just like where the fed is going to set rates is there's no investing anymore. It's just, let's guess what the fed's going to do. And it makes the game shitty. Uh, and I hope they keep some consistency, but I just can't really, you know, I, I just, unless I had some sort of angle or inside knowledge, I just, I didn't even think about it. And then another question that I see all the time in the Roadwire YouTube video comments is they were talking about like roster construction. Forget about the top bunch of rounds, the top 12, 14, 15 rounds, but how do you use those last couple roster spots in the NFBC? Do you load them up with prospects? Do you load them up with high floor players as replacements? So those last you know, handful of spots, what's the best way to use them in your judgment? Well, it matters what kind of team you have and it matters what's the 15 or the 12, but say in the 15, where I was light on pitching, I just got a lot of pitchers that some of whom have jobs like Kluber and Clevenger and you have been good before. I love old pitchers, young hitters, old pitchers. That's one of my mottos. I think young hitters break out in ways you can't even expect. And it's an athletic skill, the snap of the bat, the bat speed, the the foot speed. Um, Pitching is a, a cerebral skill. In my opinion, obviously some of the young phenoms, throw hundred miles an hour and they're great, but those are the guys that tear their elbows. Um, so 
you get a young phenom like you know, Strider, I, I got back in on because I saw that he had Tommy John in 2019. So I think he's probably good for another couple of years. Um, but, you know, any young phenom that hasn't had Tommy John, that's very dangerous. Um, and it's all athleticism. You know, I don't like the athletic pitchers as much. I like the, the old veteran guys um, who, you know, Verlander still throws 95, but it's just, you know, that he knows how to pitch. And so I like old pitchers, young hitters. Um, and, and I think that for your bench, you know, you, you really like, depending on how deep the league is, you, you, one mistake in the NFBC format, there's no injured slots or anything like that. You have seven slots and that's it. Um, you do not, you, you can have one elite prospect with upside, or you can have one injury stash, you know, a, a Bryce Harper or something like that, but you cannot have both. And you certainly cannot have three of them because you're going to get injuries to key players that you're going to have to put on your bench. You're going to um, want to speculate on closers who haven't been named closer. You're going to need room on your bench to, to invest. And if you have that spot just locked up where you're not taking chances, not picking guys up, you might not get that Spencer Strider, that guy you would have just put a little bit on and, and seen what happened. So um, I think one spot at most, two if you get two if you're absolutely get a value. But really, I think one spot could be dedicated to that, but I wouldn't do much more than that. Yeah, the opportunity cost of those roster spots, I think, is not talked about enough in, you know, even the, the elite uh, leagues or the casual leagues or anything in between. So I think that's important uh, to highlight. Reminds me of something. Some guy asked, like, how big of an advantage is it Otani if he, if he you know, can qualify in eight categories, like not pitcher Otani or hitter Otani, but or not like NFC where you choose where you use him, but like he's just in your lineup and he does it what he does. Um, and like I was thinking about it today. And I was like, <clears throat> not only would he be the number one pick, obviously, he would be like having a number. He's a first rounder just as a hitter. He would be like having a second or third round pitcher also. And then you get a separate roster spot that nobody else has. So instead of nine pitching slots, you get right. Otani's stats in a 10th slot and you get a first round pick hitter at the same time. He would be like Babe Ruth 1921 when Babe Ruth had 59 home runs, 171 ribbies, 179 runs. Um, and, and batted 340 or whatever, 360. That would be like having Babe Ruth on your fantasy team um, because you're getting eight categories. I mean, or think of it this way. If you evaluate players based on like how they do relative to everybody else in the category, so let's say he's a hitter. Okay, he'll get 38 home runs. That's like, you know, 18 above baseline in a certain league of depth. He's going to have XRBIs, 30 above baseline, X runs, X steals. Okay, all that's good. Well, how many strikeouts as a pitcher is he going to have above baseline? All of them. All of them. He's right. going to have 180 strikeouts above the baseline hitter who gets zero. How many uh, wins is he going to have over a baseline hitter? You're adding 13 wins to it. How many, you know, what if his ERA and whip? Like, it is just, it, it's like, you, you almost can't have a game. He broke the all, game. Well, he broke the all, game. At auction, yeah. he'll go for, you know, the top guys go for 50, 45, 50. He'll go for 85, 90, 100, yeah. and it would be worth it. It would be perfectly worth it. That's how crazy it is. Yeah. Um, and I, I almost wish they would just do it because it's like you're wasting this guy. Like, yeah, he's a great hitter, but he's just a first-round hitter. He's a great pitcher, but he's like a second, third-round pitcher. But the combination is like the greatest fantasy player of all time. It, the only uh, parallel I can think of in football is when LT, uh, not the original LT, Ladanian Tomlinson was catching – um, like a hundred, you know, close to a hundred passes, and no other running backs were coming even close to half of that. And that's why Greg and Tom they scored had thirty to, touchdowns, right? Right, thirty touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. and they had to uh, basically change the game to third round reversal. I mean, it does. I still think the Otani factor uh, is is a greater multiplier. Like that would be too much of an advantage. Uh, but it's, it's the only thing is, yeah. Sometimes guys come along and they break the game of fantasy. It's a shame that we can't do it though, because it just, to me, that's just so cool. And if you've got to have a keeper league where you're like, Oh no, I want the upside of this. And yeah. then you get it. And it's like, well, you got to choose where to use them or there's separate Otani pitcher, separate Otani hitter. It's like, come on, it's one guy. I mean, he is right. doing it. There should be that possibility. Even if it breaks the game, I feel like it would break the draft that would break drafts. Everyone try to get the first pick and it would be just, it would be really hard to lose with him. Yeah. I think that's a good place right there. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm out of all the questions I had for you there. So, all right, good, good shit, man. I'm, I'm, you always uh, bring interesting stuff. I'll say, <laughs> you know, I'm going to do a couple of things, just a couple other guys that I have a lot of. Just sure. I, I like, to, I, I've got a lot of Lance Lynn. I think that after he came back from the knee injury, he's a little shaky, and then he was really good down the stretch. Another guy I got who seems mispriced is Dylan Carlson. I know you're not like a baseball guy. This guy was a top prospect at age 22, I think, in, in 2021. Totally held his own in the majors. Where's he getting drafted? Like in, in the in the twelves, like in the 29th round, and in the fifteen, I got him in like the twenty something round. 
I think he's going to play. He's having a good spring. I mean, this, this is the kind of guy, like, why is he available this late? And so I got him in all four leagues. It was so cheap. Um, other guys I like, um, I, I like some of these pitchers like uh, Jesus Lizardo. Um, I think he's just like, as long as he's healthy, I, the breakout just seems obvious to me. Like he was good last year. He was Here, like I have. Top prospect. You yeah, just so. you just spawned another question. Who's somebody that most people like the consensus hates that you like? Like I'm talking about like that nobody wants the guy, but you. Okay. See- I mean, I, I mean, a couple. I mean, Carlson's one of them. He's just v- available for free. Um, another guy. Uh, some people are starting to like Jonathan India. I think he may lead off, and like he was good two years ago as a rookie, and he was hurt last year, and he's in a good park. Like, just seems like he's going too cheap. Um, the other guy that. Uh, what was it? Oh, Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals. He's been hurt for the last couple of years, been bad. Um, but he's, his velocity is fine. And he was an ace a couple of years ago. He's like, he's still like the number one starter for a good team in the NL central facing the pirates, uh, you know, facing these scrubby teams, the reds and Flaherty is just available way too late. He didn't come back to me in, in, in the main event. That was one guy I was really hoping to get. Um, so there's just a few guys that I kept landing on. Like, I was like, um, these are just, sort of obvious and you know maybe i'll turn out to be wrong a lot of times i think that and it doesn't pan out but they seem to be like mispriced for the luis urias is another guy multi position eligibility good park good prospect hit like 16 home runs and four or something at bats last year um he's going too late so they're just a bunch of guys that i felt were just being mispriced yeah there's no opportunity cost of drafting those guys in those rounds anyway because they're easy cuts if if they're in the main there is in the in the 12 there is not at all they're basically free but the main actually, like everything's so scarce. You're like, even in like the 25th round, you're like, shit, like I really need another pitcher. Like it's, it was such a, that draft is torture. It's a great draft. I mean, I recommend it, but it was torture. I mean, it was really, you, you're, it's basically like letting go of lo- lose it. It's like, it's like dealing with loss. It's like all your hopes are getting just undermined little by little each pick. And then you're like, oh, I was going to build it this way, but I can't. And now I got to pivot to this. Oh, even that's gone. It's like just dealing with loss. It's like Job, you know, it's like <laughs> it's one fucking thing after another, you know, and then you're like, how do I re-scramble to like build this thing up? And then in the end, you're like, okay, I, I adjusted decently to the, to a tough situation, but it's, it's really like a pain, especially when you're on one of the ends. The five stages of grief on every pick, right? You have to get over it super quick. And- well, the runs, you know, it was two rounds, you know, it was going back and forth. And I was like, oh, I hope to get this guy. No, he's gone. Fuck it. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Why would you take him two picks before me? You know, each pick, like every round. And you're just like, okay, well, what's my pivot? What's my pivot? Like, and you just have to get comfortable, like knowing that you're going to be, you know, upset and miserable. But then you look at your team and you're like, okay, I, I managed it and it's up to Dusty now. He's got to, he's got to get it done. <laughs> Real man let Sasha Liss uh, watch you draft the, the main with unfiltered. So Yeah, I should have done it. Well, we're going to do basketball, but I won't yeah. care about that. So we'll see. Cool. Yeah, I'll send you over the information and then we'll. Uh, oh, yeah. V- for, the, v- for the first one. Yeah, we're going to do this. This is not yeah. like a serious thing. She just like she likes the, the colors and stuff of the. The draft right, so. and but either way, I mean, whether she's interested in participating in our sweet 16 pool or not, you and I are going to do it. Right. Yeah. By the way, I got one last thing about Sasha. I'll just say this. Yeah. Um, so Sasha boxes, right? She goes to boxing once a mm-hmm. week. It's been a couple of years now. I was training her at first and then she wanted a real trainer. And then, uh, so then she asked her trainer, can I get a fight? I want to fight. And he said, yeah, we could train you for a fight. You need about a month. You know, we got to train harder though. And she's like, okay. So then she comes home. She says, she asks Heather, you know, uh, it's okay if I do a fight with another girl. And Heather's like, I don't know. Ask your dad. See, so ask me. I think about it. I'm like, you know, it's got a beautiful face. I don't want to get beat up. But I'm well, like, they wear he- headgear, right? And I'm like, you know, uh, yeah, do it. Let's do it. You know, because, because, you know, you want your, your girl to have self defense skills. You can't have self defense boxing in a, with a trainer. You need to get into an actual fight. Right. So I don't know. It's pretty crazy, but my daughter's going to be in a boxing match in the next few weeks. I don't know oh, exactly when. That's amazing. I, uh, it's funny that you say that because. 15 years ago, you know, I was taking some jujitsu classes, whatever, like when it was super, when it would MMA really exploded and we were doing it, like you said, with the instructor, with a partner, and then they put you in a stand-up match. And I, I mean, when you're fighting against someone that really knows what they're doing, oh my God, before mm-hmm. I even like was able to like raise my hands, the guy like three, four punches to my face. I had a hell- headgear on. <laughs> I quit after that. It was the craziest thing. I, it came so fast, those punches and it, from right. angles that I had right. no idea existed. Right. Yeah, so. no, it's not the same thing. Just everyone can get in the in the uniform and wrestle around. But like, you know, a, a fight is a fight, and uh, and you gotta, you know, when someone's trying to punch you, like being calm and being oh. delivered. And and so I thought, you know, if she wants to, she wanted to do it. It was her idea. So 
Yeah. I'm, well, I'm they, not going to say no. If she gets beat up, you know, then I'll say, okay, well, well they won't let her get beat up. They, she they, the instructors. Get, she won't yeah. get hurt. And, and I felt bad because she's a beast. And I was like, I don't want her to beat up some poor Portuguese girl, you know, but, but at the same time, I'm like, it is a boxing match. You're going to have to go all out. You can't feel sorry for your opponent, no. you know? And, Totally. Well, better that happens than she gets whacked yeah. uh, in the head, you know? So yeah. I'm going to be nervous, but, but it'll be, uh, it'll be fun. Can you so. imagine what the spouses of MMA fighters feel like? If you feel nervous for this, imagine, you know, when there's a professional fighter across them, a person that you care and love, you know I mean? Yeah. It just must be torture. Well, I mean, I, I used to wrestle in high school and just even getting up there and you're like singlet, you're in front of all these people and you got to <laughs> fight some dude. It's stressful. <laughs> you know, you're like, fuck, you know, like it, it's not like, I mean, you know, once you're like in the match, it's like, you're just fighting the dude, but you know, the whole idea of it is like, holy shit, you know, when you're walking up and uh, yeah, I'm sure it's, uh, it won't be quite like that, but you know, these MMA guys are such pros, you know I mean? It's like, they all say it though. They all say that even they, they get that crazy stomach feeling, the walk down, everyone watching, right. doesn't matter how many times you've done it. It maybe it gets easier, but I remember George St. Pierre, the, you know, the legendary MMA fighters to say the same thing. He's like, he would basically crap his pants before every every right. fight because it's just yeah. it's too it's overload of adrenaline it's, and it's so crazy yeah you yeah. got to fight some dude who's a professional like badass dude it's not like you're you know fighting mm-hmm. some dude on the street who probably doesn't know what he's doing you're, you're a guy who's trained and in like elite shape you know that's crazy all right real man does it though <laughs> real man gets back in that class right now alan no finds that guy and beats the shit out of that, that guy that guy retired me man he, the yeah. instructor came running over to me to make sure i was okay that's like it was, how like, I L, it was like lt when lt retired all these offensive line were like oh shit when there were guys like this in the game i knew it was time to get out yeah yeah, that's yeah. good stuff man excellent all right thanks man for good me. shit uh, thanks for doing it